Amen. All right, if you've got your booklets, I just want you to turn uh, to the first page. We've been going about three weeks and we have not left the first page, <laughs> but we have. And if you're sort of tracking, you'll see that there are scriptures being spoken from all over the booklet, okay? And that's the beauty of heaven, that's the beauty of the word, is that it's one massive substance and it just releases itself in different parts, but it's all made up of the same thing called the Word of God. And I'm really hoping that we are hearing what is being uttered and receiving that, seeing that. And so like I've said, this picture behind us would all become our picture as a people group, as a church. And we would know who we really are in Christ and live from that reality. And you know, one thing I love about Christ is that He always addresses us from a promise perspective. So he always comes and he says, this is who I have made you to be through my blood. We may not be living that life, but he doesn't start with how we're living. He starts with who he says we are. So he's always about the God of promise and he's always about the God of life. And so he's always calling us into a reality. We agree? He is prophesying. When he was with his disciples, he was prophesying the entire time to them, saying, this is how I see you. Now, their lives didn't necessarily reflect that most of the time. In fact, sometimes they're like, couldn't hear, disagreeing, and their lives didn't quite stack up to the reality in which he said they were. But that doesn't stop him loving them, and it doesn't stop him calling them up and into the reality that he says They were and who we are. But what he would do is he would then come into their present because he knew that it was their present that was getting in the way of the promise being fulfilled. Okay, So when he calls them friends, he's calling them covenant partners with me. It's not just you're my mate. It's way, way deeper. He's saying you're part of a covenant, the covenant of Israel. Do you know you are part of a covenant called Israel? Do you know that you and I are to be grafted into the commonwealth of a nation? And that nation had promises given to her before the foundations of the earth that she was called to live out. We're going to look at this today. So I'm going to speak purely from a promise perspective. I'm purely going to speak and declare who God says we are and what that means. Is that cool? Yeah? Because that's how Jesus would be speaking most of the time. But as I said, then he would come down and he would have to come and speak to your present, Jeanette. Wouldn't he? And it's in the present that it gets a bit gnarly. Isn't it? You see, we love the promise and it's right, but the present starts to get a bit gnarly. It's like, well, what are you saying, Jesus? Imagine being Peter when Jesus says, Peter, you're a stumbling block to me, Tim. Imagine Jesus turning you right in your face and saying, Tim, you're a stumbling block to me. Now remember, I'm calling you to be an apostle. I'm calling you. But right now, in this moment, son, you're a stumbling block. So I need to make you aware of your present. Because unless I make you aware of your present, the promise will never be realized. Tracking? And you know what I love about Christ? He never talks about the past. He never drags up your past. 
Why? Because he's covered it completely. Before you even had a chance, he covered it. Someone needs to get that today. Because the church spends way too much time beating herself up for things Jesus has forgiven her for, period. And we need to move beyond that point and actually enter into the promise and just allow Jesus to come or the Holy Spirit now and go, hey, Greg, that current mindset, how you think I build, it ain't how I build some. And that's why there must be humility of heart to be corrected and taught and then learn and then walk. Yeah? All he asks us to do is surrender. He will build. And then as he builds and imparts himself in you, you can then just live. Okay? You're not trying to be a Christian. You're not, I don't try to be a Liverpudlian. I can talk like that all day long till the cows come home because I am a Liverpudlian. I was born a Liverpudlian, born in the city, born to Liverpudlian, so I'm a Liverpudlian. I've never not tried to be a Liverpudlian. does get me in trouble because we have a very funny sense of humour that some people don't get. But I've never tried to be what, I'm not in, what I am in the natural. You just be it, don't you? Yeah. So why is it any different when we actually become Christ-like? Why are we trying to be Christ-like? Why aren't we just Christ-like? This is what Jesus does. When he builds the church, you just live like a Christ-like person. Not because you're trying, because he's building you. So he addresses the promise, comes into the present, speaks to the present, speaks to the promise. Promise, 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 promise. Ten promises for every present. He's pretty good. Yeah? Okay, let's go have a look in just your notes. And there it says, a sequencing consecutive order of the whole purpose of God. Luke 1, 1 to 4. And as much as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in a consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So this is Luke. Luke was a physician. He's writing it down consecutively, bit by bit by bit, so we can track. That's what this is about. Part by part by part, bit by bit by bit. So as you journey... That's why it's really important to journey and go back and listen and hear and listen and hear and listen and hear because it's a prophetic declaration that is foretelling a realm and a reality of a life for us that we're called to live out. So Luke writes it down consecutively in an order to help us receive this, okay? Acts 5 verse 20, go stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Not just the part, not just the part that we might know, not just the bit that we might like, but the entire message needs to be declared 
So the church comes into the full reality and measure of who she's called to be. Yep, cool. Acts 20, verses 27. I'm just going to open this up because right in your notes, 27 to 30. You've just got Acts 20, 27 there. I just want to read to 30. Okay, it says this. This is Paul. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. What a statement. How does a man make a statement like that? Because he's died. The last two weeks, there's been a real urgency come out of me. It's funny, eh? When you go and listen to yourself, you go, wow, that's quite urgent. (laughs) It's really weird for me when I go and listen to myself or watch myself because I know it's not me. And there are things coming out of me that I wouldn't say because I know what it does. And it's like, I don't know if you know what it's like, but it is like having an out-of-body experience where you know it's coming out of you, but you know it ain't you. Because you wouldn't say the things you're saying, because at times some of the things you say you know are going to, but it's out there. You see, your flesh doesn't do it. Your flesh doesn't go anywhere near there. Would you agree with me? Flesh hates confrontation. And so I'm going, man, over these two weeks, there's been such an urgency coming out of my vessel. And I know I haven't put it there. But it's coming out of the vessel. Because there's a reality that God wants us to know. Like if you knew something that was going to change someone's life and they didn't know it, wouldn't you want them to know it? And wouldn't you do everything in your power for them to know it? Do you know in God that can actually get you in trouble with people? can also even get you in God. And I'm learning this, and I was asking this question to a few people this week, in this reality of not wanting to cross the line that's God's, even though you know at times people aren't hearing and understanding what you're saying. And, and it's like, in this reality, it's like, between me and him, he's going... You've just stepped across the line again and you've played my part. 
and I see your heart and I know it's so intense and I see the reality that you want, but in doing so can actually go against what you're trying to make happen or see happen. So I'm learning this and I hope you're learning some things too. I hope we're all learning how to handle, how to hear the enormity of what God has for us because it is not easy. It is extremely difficult but full of life to carry and know things that he has put in you for his body and yourself because you cannot separate yourself from the body. If you do that, you get in trouble because I'm part of a body. I'm a member of a body. I'm not an individual like a loose cannon on my own. And we're all parts of this body, but what we bring when we come together is the enormity of who we're called to be and the gracing on us to see this house built. And what has the potential for building has the potential for blowing up if we all don't know how to carry it like God. And so there's this massive learning, and I've been learning this for years and still am learning it and will always be learning it. And so if you heard the intensity a wrong way, I forgive me, because that's not my heart. But I want to be honest and say, I know I'm carrying God, and I've seen this, and I know it's for us. So I ask you to cover me with love, and I'll cover you with love while I try and we try to communicate the spiritual word, which alone is like dynamite and can blow everybody up. Cool? Awesome. Thanks. That's so cute, you reckon? <laughs> so Paul's going, I don't consider my life of any account so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the grace of God. And now behold, I know all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Wow. There's a man who destroyed the church saying the power of God and the gospel has cleansed me from all that. I'm so free. That's why he said I'm not ashamed of the gospel because he knew something. And when you come into knowledge of a reality that's for you, man, do you want to share it with others because it's for them. And you see people struggling and you see people bound in themselves. You see people and you go, Lord, I can't give. I can't be the one. He said, no, it's me. But it doesn't make it easy when what you're carrying is what Paul carries as well because he said imitate me and you go there and what Paul saw you see because he says imitate me as Christ imitate me and there's no way anyone can live like Paul if you're not in Paul's process it's not about trying to copy Paul it's about being in Christ the way Paul came into Christ. 
And then you just naturally can. Yeah? Because the promise is profound. So this man is saying to these people here and to us, Man, I've been set free. And he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own Selves, men will rise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. So there's a governing, there's a shepherding, there's a protecting, there's a fathering, there's a mothering. It's in the physical, isn't it? You know, it's like at times we are all called, if you have children, to parent. Not pamper. Okay? Parent. And at times the child doesn't like when you become parent, correct? Or if you're a teacher and you're teaching and you're trying to teach and there's an accountability, and we fight that in ourselves. And Paul's saying, I've, I've been entrusted, and he's entrusting these other men to, to govern, to shepherd, to protect, to guard what I have entrusted to you. Because these other people are going to come from inside the flock and speak perverse things and lead people away from the Christ. It's everywhere if you know Paul and you know his letters. He's testifying to the body of a reality because he knows it's everywhere if you see it. He says in Acts, you see in Acts these Pharisees who have believed They come from the believers because these Jews have become believers. Then they go and they start telling other Jews that you can, it's, no, man, you've got to get circumcised again. And the Bible says they've come out of our own kind, but we never sent them. They want to do their own thing. I'm warning you, we never sent them. And the problem is if we take that on board, and don't know the truth, then you can believe stuff that's not God, but it sounds like God. And we need to be able to discern the difference between what sounds like God and what actually is God. Someone unintentionally can actually preach this, but preach their version of this. And this is why we have to love one another, pray for one another, and cover one another, because if that goes out, that's not a word that's going to build That's not going to word that's going to change. It may tickle our ears for a period of time, but it's not going to bring around who we're called to be. Yeah? So it must be the word of heaven that comes out of a man or a woman in to the atmosphere, the air, for ears to hear it. And so there's warnings all throughout. Now, we don't live in fear going around trying to find the false one everywhere we go. Under, under the chair, where are you? Oh, my goodness. That's not where we go with it. Okay? It's just like the end times. We don't go to this place of no hope and darkness. It's life hope. Okay? Everything in God is hope forward, going forward. And that's the heart and the response. Because if that is the case, then my heart is to help my brother and sister 
who may be speaking something that's not my father. And it would be to go to them in love and pray, hey, can we sit down and we have a talk? It's not to speak against them. It's not to gossip. It's not to go behind their back. It's not to pull apart from them. I'm to move towards them. Hey, love does not move away. Love moves towards. Cool? This is the type of man Paul was. He said, I lost me. And that's what I know I've been talking about for a while. Losing to gain. So then love can come in and establish his home in. So then we can lay down us and live Christ-like. See the process, the four L's? Lose, love, lay, live. Maybe write that down. Find scriptures all during the week. There's an order. It's a consecutive order, like Luke said. Lose, love comes in. Enables you to lay your life down, live like Christ. Yeah? Paul was this man. He declared this entire council, and he said, I will not shrink back from declaring the whole purpose and that's what this is about and there's more that's in here because this is a prophetic utterance which there is more in here that's in God can we agree with that but there's a lot in here describing who he is excuse me and who we're called to be so we know why we were given life and we're going to look at a bit that as we continue go to Acts 13 22 just as another person that We'll all know. Acts 13, 22. After he had removed him, he raised, this is Saul. So after God had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. David was a man of repentance. He was a man that lived a life of repentance. That's why God said he's a man after my own heart. When I say repentance, I don't mean he's repenting of the murder and the adultery he committed. He was a man that was constantly having his mind renewed and living out the entire counsel of God to what he knew in his lifetime. Now, he needed to repent of that sin, didn't he? But that didn't hold us. You know your sin doesn't hold you? Because he's died for it. So this is so cool. Because I can be looking at X on the internet one minute, have a conviction of spirit and heart and confess it, and within two seconds walk in here and start preaching. Now, all the religious demons go... Why? Because that's forgiven before I did it, and I've confessed it before my father, and he's already forgiven it. Hear what I'm saying? It's a true heart confession of turning. If that's not the case, let's all pack up and go home right now. Yeah? We might as well pack up, pick up your coffee, and let's all go. Because if that's not the case, then 
He didn't die. He didn't rise again. And we're believing all lies. But see, when you haven't received that love, that's really hard because when you're still behaviorally driven rather than belonging, wow, that really messes your behavior because you go, but I haven't done that. And the self-righteous spirit comes out and judges and cuts. And you just kill everybody with the self-righteous judgment that's actually in you because you don't know what you've been saved from or for. And your whole Christian walk is behaviorally driven. Do's and don'ts, not in him. And we have to get free from that if we're ever going to come into this full life that Christ has for us because he said, I died for that. Did he not love us before? That messes you up, eh? Do you know to truly, truly be able to give, you must be able to receive? Do you realize that? Until you've actually received unconditional love, you can't give unconditionally. You may think you can, but you will always give conditions. And when those conditions aren't returned, you get offended. No matter what that is you're looking for, a thank you, a thank you note. See, Jesus gave and didn't look for any thank you. See, love can do that because love knows itself. And that's why it's so important that we lose us so we come to know love, not my version of love. Because my version of love can't live out what I said. But he's given me a promise of a love that will fill me, which I can. Romans 5, verses 5. Go read the entire thing from 1 down. It says, The Holy Spirit filled us with love, poured love into us so we can live out hope, which is a living hope anchored in the eternal, but it's now. See, this is an eternal dimension, guys. This isn't earthly. You won't find this temporal stuff I'm talking about anywhere. It's in the person. And we need to know the person. And Paul knew the person. So when Jesus turned up, come from me to John. This isn't in your notes, so write these down, but it might be behind me. John 18.36. And this is why, as the body of Christ, I hope you really hear me here, is that we are more to be more concerned with the establishment of the kingdom of God on this earth than getting involved in this earthly stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So if God calls us and graces us to have a voice in certain areas of life on the earth, fill your boots. Great. But we are given life to see his kingdom. We're to be a different people group. We're to be a different kind of people. We're called to be a nation that actually shines light to the nation we're on. So be like this. At the election, we may not have a party, okay? but we're living a life that the Labour government looks to and goes, those people are so alive, they have such healthy relationships. They have healthy families. Look at the way they live. Look at who they are. Look at the way they minister. Look at the way they actually love one another. Look at the way they actually care for one another. Look at them. Who are those people? Do you know who they are? No. Do you know who they are? Well, they're called Christians. But I don't understand them, but I'm curious about them because I've watched them for a while. 
Aliens comes to mind. Not the movie. Peter said, you're an alien. Scattered. You're a sojourner of a covenant, of promise, of a people group. And Jesus came to establish this when he came. So when he stood before Pilate, he said these words in John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. And this is why our focus and our priority isn't to be this earth. It's not about making our lives better on this earth, trying to get a comfortable life until we die. It's about being part of a people group who are sold out to seeing the kingdom established that Jesus brought on this earth. Tracking? So that's why we must lose our lives from that earth. So we're born into the kingdom of darkness, correct? And God's saying, okay, I'm going to come and establish my kingdom parallel to that kingdom. And I'm going to call my people, called Israel, which is a spiritual people, we're going to look at that, out of the world and into my kingdom. And then my people are going to be kingdom ambassadors on earth, but for my kingdom. So they're no longer going to live for the culture, the priorities, the values, the principles, the ways of earth. Okay, Because we're going to be living for this. Right, And this must be firstly established in the hearts and the minds and we must become one with this reality because God is then going to send us back here. And if you don't get this sorted first, you will be a person that's divided into two and you will keep that and that as separate things. And you will go, don't you know I'm really busy with A, B and C on this side? And I go, yes, yeah, so am I. I am too, you know. But I don't know what we're talking about. Like I don't understand. I understand it, you know, but I don't understand it. Because I'm not talking about separate things. This is in you. And so then you know how to be a dad. You know how to be a husband. You know how to be a brother. You know how to be a workmate. You know how to be a mate. From the kingdom of God being established in your heart and mind, you just live. So you know how to be a teacher from a kingdom perspective. It's not, I separate teaching and this out. And when I leave here, I teach here, but I don't teach there. Now the content you might teach, sure, is different, but you may also have opportunities to share because you're an undercover agent on earth, but from another kingdom. Are you hearing? Because we're to be one, so we're not separating these things out. So how do I? Well then, because you're in him and you have a knowledge in him, you have the how-to. And as you grow in that, sure, you're going to test some things out, so it's a thing of maturity. 
Because Jesus said, my kingdom, Pilate, it's not of. Now let me give you an example that you'll really understand about fighting. So he's always speaking to us on our terms so we understand, because Pilate understands fighting. He understands what would happen if the bad guys came for him, doesn't he? He knows the the Roman cohort, his guards, would just run in and destroy anyone trying to touch him. So Jesus says to him, I'm not from your kingdom. If I was, this this would happen. He goes, what is truth? What an incredible statement to make from an intelligent man. (laughs) Or was he? Intelligent in the ways of the world, completely oblivious to the ways of heaven. And heaven and earth are having a conversation this far away. An apostle is having a conversation with a leader of earth. The apostle is declaring a reality that the leader of earth, let's say in his day, a very powerful man, has zero concept of. If I walk up to Jacinda Ardern and start talking from the kingdom of God about euthanasia, that's understandable. She's not of my seed. She's not of my kind. I had a great conversation with my buddy Tim about this whole thing. He said, what did you vote? I said, you ask? He says, well, I know you're going to fight, fight, um, vote euthanasia. No. But what about the cannabis? <laughs> and he's like, come on, bro. I want to have cannabis. Give me your vote. And we had this cool conversation while we're training about both. Now, I know I'm from another kingdom. I know my mindset is foreign to him. So then I'm, how I talk to him is defined through reason and logic to try and reach him. And we're doing our pull-ups, which is an absolute horrible exercise, but it's great for building your back. You've got to pull yourself up. And there's a guy right there, and you can know he's wanting to talk to us about the conversation because he's sort of doing his biceps like this, and he's leaning like this. And I almost said to him, bro, do you want to join the chat? You know, it was so funny. And he kept like, give us some space, you know. And so we're having this conversation from two different kingdoms. And this is what's happening here. Because we are from another kingdom, another earth, another country. We're another people. The minute you receive Christ, you become from his kingdom. Now you might even know that, but that's what he says. You may have no clue that you are part of the commonwealth of Israel. I wasn't born a Jew. What are you talking about? I've never even been. It don't matter. Because you're not here because you chose to be here. You were chosen before your parents chose you. John 1, 11 to 13, by the will of God. And we need to understand this entire realm called the kingdom of God because it is now and coming. Now, the kingdom now is a spiritual kingdom firstly 
of being transformed into the image of God. Romans 8 says the purpose for every follower of Jesus Christ is to be what? Conformed to whose likeness, Danny? Christ's likeness. That is your purpose. If you want to know what your purpose is, it's he wants to conform you to look exactly like him. Which means you then live like him. Now, did Jesus have to lose his life? We're going to go back to my four L's. So Jesus had to lose his life. Right. Did he receive the Father's love? Was he love? He said, I love them the way you love me. Yeah? Did Jesus lay his life down? And then did he live as Jesus, demonstrating his Father and teaching his Father's teaching? So he then says, come follow me, Greg. And we've got to start at number one. And it really has to be a true number one, not a false number one. Tracking? Because it's got to be of him, not of me. Everything has to be of the way of God, not my version of it or how I was taught it. And it's not something I understand, it's what I receive. Because it comes from power outside of Greg to change Greg. Not Greg's ability to understand and learn. That's the false way. You can have people in the church unintentionally teach you the false way because they haven't entered into the way themselves. Because they've been raised with Christianity but not in Christ. It sounds similar, doesn't it? Do you know being raised with principles and knowing the person is like night and day? It's darkness and light. You know all about, but you can't live as. So only the one who has lost, receives love through power, can lay their lives down. Isn't that the commandment? 1 John 3.16? Funny, eh? John 3.16 is God for so loved the word he sent his only son. 1 John 3.16 is the same thing but for us. John 3.16, 1 John 3.16. Oneness. Then we just live. So that is the way of the kingdom. And now that enables you to live as a kingdom ambassador because you've been invited into the commonwealth of Israel. Let's go to Ephesians and let's have a look. Is this good? Okay. Awesome. I'm going to read just this one. You go to Ephesians. And while you're finding Ephesians 2.11... Just listen to these words, okay? Do you think that the disciples knew the kingdom that was coming? Like, did they? Well, let me put it another way. Were the disciples aware that Jesus was coming to establish his kingdom? Yes. Yeah, okay? So, what did they think he was coming as? Right. So, they knew he was coming to establish his kingdom. But their timing was off. How's your timing? Awesome. Good. I hope we're hearing today and not in six months' time. How's your timing? I hope if you do hear in six months' time, you celebrate. But if you don't hear in six months' time, how's your timing? 
Jesus is always on time because he knows the Father's prophetic calendar. Because who wrote it? <laughs> you think if you knew, wrote the story, you know exactly when to turn up in the story, yeah? <laughs> so the people that don't are the subjects of the kingdom. But he came that we would know. <clears throat> so he turns up. They say this to him in Acts 1 verse 6. Just hear these words. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? They know the Messiah is coming to restore the governmental rule of David. What did Jesus say? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the remotest part of the earth. So boys, before any of this takes place, you need power. Now, I'm here to establish my spiritual kingdom as a servant. I am a king. Don't get me wrong. I know who I am. I'm a king. But right now, I'm a bond servant. So I'm going to establish a kingdom where I look for bond servants. Not people who are going to reign over other people, bond servants who are going to get the bottom and serve up. Because they're going to lose their life. They're going to be filled with love. They're going to lay their life down. And they're going to serve others. For didn't he say to them, I've come to serve, not be served? So they're a little bit ahead of the game, but they're on track. But their present is off compared to the promise. Yeah, tracking? How's your present? Is it a little bit off compared to prophetic calendars of what's happening when I'm coming? Because he says this no one can know the day. But you don't get caught out like a thief in the night. So my people won't know the day, but they'll know the signs. So they are not found out like the earth. They have been living and getting ready for my return. Because they know, because they're Israel, there's another kingdom coming. So as Israel, do you know about the other kingdom that's to come that you have been invited to govern with the Christ in? How's your timing? Getting better. <laughs> what a great answer. Thank you, Peter. That's a great answer. Because there's no condemnation, is there? But there is conviction and there is being made aware of a reality. Like if I said to you guys, guys, by the time you get home, underneath your favorite chair, there will be $5 million for you. I guarantee you right now, half of us have spent quite a bit of that money in our minds. <laughs> We've raced out and bought stuff. Why? Because you know, one, it's yours, you know the power of that money, and you know what you can access from that money, and you haven't even gone home and picked it up yet. 
but it's yours right now. Hearing me? The future is your now. That's a cool statement, eh? I'm going to read you something Rodney Blythe sent me. Me and Rodney are always talking. And where did I put it, Rodney? Here. When the end defines the now, our lives will be completely different. When the end defines our lives, sorry, when the end defines the now, our lives will be completely different. So, people of Israel, let's go to Ephesians. Just so you don't think I'm losing the mind. <laughs> Ephesians 2, verses 11. What's the time? Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Okay, that's... A lost person, yeah? Born in sin and iniquity, completely outside of Christ. Yeah? We were all there, correct? Cool. But now, verse 13, in Christ Christ Jesus, that's really important, it's not just in Christ Jesus, in the Christ, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by what? Brought near by the blood of the Lamb. How well do you know the blood that died for you and rose again as opposed to just a blood that atones for your sin? You see, we've bought into this. The blood is just the atonement of sin. Stop. No. Jesus said, my blood is true. Drink. Hey, lady, do you want living? The blood has power, correct? Because Jesus died, his blood was spilt, and then he got rose again. The blood is not the atonement of sin, full stop. That is the start. The blood has power to raise up the church. What does the Bible say in Revelation how we overcome the enemy? The blood of the Lamb. You don't have a testimony unless you know the blood of the Lamb. And I'm not just talking about the day you got saved of your sin. I'm talking about ongoing testimonies of maturity. So when the devil turns up and tries to lie to you, Nick, because he tries to use the words on the page, but you know the word, because the blood is maturing you into who? The image of Jesus Christ, because that's your purpose, wasn't it? to be conformed into the Christ, then you're not hoodwinked. And the Bible calls that overcoming because you know you're part of Israel, which is a people of promise and covenant. Because the promises are for you, Nick. 
like they're for Debbie, like they're for Danielle, like they're for me, because we're a people of covenant promises. Because once I was excluded from this commonwealth of Israel, and now in Christ I've been grafted in, I have not replaced Israel. The church is not the only one. It's a grafted in people. We're no Jew or Gentile, but a people of spirit. Not male or female, a people of spirit who have been given divine eternal covenants and commandments and promises to then live out. And if they know them because the Holy Spirit is their teacher and revealing all this on their hearts and minds because it's about a promise, then you will know the picture. The revealed purpose of God for you and I. But you will not know about it. You will have revelation of it in your heart, which the Bible says is the place of understanding and learning. And then the Spirit will renew your mind and you will see it and you will know it and you will live as a Israelite. Not of bloodline. Not physical bloodline Israelite. Spiritual line of no genealogy, no mother or father, of the order of who? Melchizedek, what was not from the tribe of who? Levite, but of the tribe of Judah, which there has never been a priest ever but the Christ. But we got separated. But before the foundations of the earth, I was chosen to be. Where? In Christ and be holy and blameless and spotless before Christ because I'm a covenant one. I'm a man of covenant. Do you know you and I are in covenant with him and one another? And we must get this by revelation, otherwise we break covenant. Did Israel break the covenant with God? Did God break covenant with Israel? So why did he go get a second people group? And then he calls them one name. My people, Israel. And everything I've said is spiritual mana from above that needs to be heard spiritually, not physically, through your intellect. Because I just spoke a spiritual language. I used English to describe it. But I didn't speak English then. I spoke spirit, the word of God. Describing and bringing to light what Paul knew and wrote about. He goes near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into... One and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is active opposition of our will, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, Through power? Yeah? Through power. Not through principle. Through power. 
For the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God for what? What's salvation? Okay, salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification. So the cross starts with releasing me from my sin and iniquity. The blood has cleansed me of my unrighteousness, correct? Start. Not in my words going, yes, thank you, Jesus, what you did, from power entering in and destroying my will, losing me. We're back to the four L's again. Tracking? So power comes, releases me from my sin and iniquity, and releases me from me. My will. Right. Now, Holy Spirit says, great, Greg, it's time for sanctification. What's that? It's a big word. Yeah. Let me break it down. It's this. I, Holy Spirit, are going to write my Father's laws on your heart and mind because you are of the commonwealth of Israel. You don't necessarily know it, but you are part of what Jeremiah prophesied that these people broke, and in the new covenant, I'm going to write, I, God, with my finger, I'm going to write on your heart and your mind. It's not you going to Bible school and learning all about me. It's about me writing me on your heart and mind through your surrender, through power of spirit and faith in the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. That's one passage. And it says you were chosen, predestined for sanctification so you could be what? A people of promises called Israel because Israel and God made a covenant. It's a blood covenant. It's in blood. Whose blood was spilt? Right. The power's in the blood. Do you understand the covenant that you are in? Through Revelation. Covenants don't get broken, do they? They're not supposed to. That's why God has not broken his covenant with Israel or the church, even though it's one. But we can break covenant. Correct? How do we break covenant? How do we be Israel but not live as Israel? Love another. More than. You see, it's not the fact that we're not part of the commonwealth of Israel. We are, but do we live as Israel? See, the promise is, church, you've been grafted in to a people group called Israel who are of the Spirit. You have in your family Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You have David. Samson, who else do you have? Rahab, the prostitute. Really? Yeah. What about the woman that turned up in Matthew 15? And all the disciples said, get lost. What did she have? Great faith. Great great faith. Isn't that how we're supposed to live of a promise of Abraham? Abraham was the father of... Is this hitting? 
And it needs to raise. It's going to raise a standard. It's going to raise a bar. When we know that we are called to be part of a nation, for the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, not to... Is he talking to a nation or a person? And what nation is he talking to? So if we're all part of now Israel, he's talking to... And these covenant promises are divine, eternal promises that last for... And they shape and define how you live. (laughs) Boom. And I have more, but I'm going to stop. And we're going to get into conversations. Now, the challenges in the questions, I haven't mentioned about the Commonwealth of Israel. (laughs) But I have talked about the whole purpose. And that is part of the whole purpose. Okay, And so within your groups, ask the question that's burning right now. Because it will be part of the questions on the written down, and it'll just be questions. It's all one and the same thing. Cool? And I'll just be floating around. 